Hey, my friend, welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My name is Lori Seitz. I'm an entrepreneur, mentor, founder of Zen Rabbit, and your guide in moving from fine to fantastic. I love inspiring others to listen to their inner voice and encouraging them to take the steps toward fulfilling their soul. Join me here as we navigate through life transformation, moving from that place where you say everything's fine, it's just fine, but you're really feeling a deep undercurrent of suck. How do you move from there to a renewed sense of yourself? You're in the right place for stories and experiences of self-discovery and courage to help you on your journey. And you'll find each episode has an accompanying meditation. Now let's get into it. Today's guest is Courtney Krulis from the Byron Bay area of Australia. Courtney has such an incredible energy, which you'll hear right away. In this episode, we're talking about living up to family expectations, breaking rules, and following breadcrumbs to magical places. We're exploring the topic of divine coincidences, bringing people together to create, and the strengthening of the letting go muscle. I'm super excited for you to hear about a technique that can work for those of you with hyperactive minds who have difficulty sitting quietly to meditate. Courtney, who's also known by some as Coco, is a published author and professional enthusiast. I love that professional enthusiast. I might want to take on that title myself. She's also a multi-passionate entrepreneur who is on a mission to spread joy to the world. She blends wisdom from spiritual practices with positive psychology to awaken people to their creativity, play, and joy through one-to-one coaching, women's empowerment courses, ecstatic dance movement experiences, and corporate workshops. She's the author of Pick Me Up Empowerment Cards, which serve as daily motivation to bring positivity and humor into everyday life. They would make fantastic holiday gifts, just saying. Not surprisingly, Courtney loves to be on stage, inspiring people to take risks, connect their intuition, and live their one precious life filled with love, play, and joy. Oh, and speaking of one precious life, this episode is publishing just a few days before Courtney's birthday, so... After you listen, reach out to her and wish her a happy birthday. Quick reminder for community and camaraderie, come join us in the Fine is a Four-Letter Word Facebook group. Today's episode is sponsored by Cool Life. That's K-U-E-L life.com. Started by one of my previous podcast guests, Jack Perez, Cool Life is a community of and platform for midlife women to find ad-free articles and videos about topics such as letting go of grief, experiencing sex, intimacy, and pleasure, alleviating your fashion crises, maintaining motivation, and so much more. As a member, you get access to workshops, newsletters, and a 10% discount on anything in the online store full of cool products from women-owned businesses. If you own your own business, host a podcast, or have a book, you can add it to the business directory. Between now and the end of the year, you can join and lock in the founder's rate of only $4.99 a month. If you've been listening to Fine is a Four-Letter Word for a while now, 
or even if you're new here, you know there's no more time for fumbling around in life. Do your future self a favor and tap into the resources that can help you live better right now. Go to coollife.com, that's K-U-E-L-L-I-F-E.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My guest today is Courtney Krulis. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Courtney is guest number two from Australia, so I'm super excited to be creating this international podcast. Welcome to the show, Courtney. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So let's get right into it. The first question always is, what were the values and beliefs that were instilled in you in your childhood that then contributed to some of the decisions you made as a young adult? Yeah, so I grew up in a beautiful, amazing Jewish family where values of, you know, being as a family dinners and spending lots of time together was very important and following the way that my mother had lived and my grandmother had lived and my great-grandmother had lived um, and which was to marry a Jewish man at a young age and have children and you know have a stable job and (laughs) live in the work in the corporate space and um, or be a teacher something that was you know a good job for a woman um, and yeah, I, I, I guess I followed a lot of that trajectory, went to university, studied education and business and, um, and then kind of one day was like, wait a minute, is this sort of the life that I want to lead? But I will say that I did already have like a little bit of a, this doesn't feel totally right. And I think my parents were pretty clued in that I was quite a big personality. I was maybe a little bit different to my older sisters. And so when I was 16, I actually asked my mom if I could move schools because I went to a Jewish school my whole life. I had Jewish friends. I never had a non-Jewish boyfriend or any of that. I always definitely played by the rules growing up. And then at 16, I said to my mom, I feel like I, I feel really different and I want to try something new. And so it was a huge risk for my mom and she let me go to, you know, a private girls school, which was huge for her. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, that felt like totally rebellious of me, even though, you know, I look back in hindsight and like laugh at that. Um, but that was like the first time that I sort of broke the mold for my family. And from there, I kind of started to do my own thing and find myself that was beyond the construct of what my family um, values sort of were. Mm-hmm. So they valued education, but up to a certain point, because then you were just going to be pretty much a homemaker. Is that Was that the idea? Or you were expected to have a career and take care of the children? Yeah, definitely a homemaker, have children, take care of them, have a good job, but not a job better than your husband necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, marry someone who was Jewish and had a great job and could provide for you. Um, you know, make, make safe and good decisions for your future self. Right. Okay. So how did that work out? You've already alluded to the fact that you are a rule breaker, so... <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, I laugh at saying I broke the rules at age 16 because I, now I, you know, I wouldn't exactly say a private girl's school is that rebellious, but it felt big not being in a Jewish school for the first time in my life and having friends that weren't Jewish. That, that felt big to me. Um, but then I, yeah, ended up going to university and meeting a lawyer 
who was Jewish and that, you know, he was tall and good at sport and all ticked every single box. And my parents were madly in love with him. Mm. And as soon as my parents kind of gave me the tick of approval, it was like, this is the man I'm going to marry at age, you know, 19 when I met him. And so, yeah, it was, I continued to just like do what everyone else was doing. Following the rules. Even mm -hmm. though you considered yourself a rule breaker, you weren't too, you didn't color too far outside the lines. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think I always knew in my, in my like spirit, so to speak, that I was always a little bit different. Like I always felt like I loved everyone around me. I felt super supported and, um, and connected to everyone in a way, but there was always something in me that felt like there was more in this life for me than I was currently living. And um, I ended up moving to New York with my husband at the time to, to, he was doing his MBA. And so I went along with him and uh, worked there. And it was sort of as soon as I got out of that little bubble of the Jewish community in Australia, and I saw like the bigger world in America that I, I kind of started to get this inkling of, whoa, I've been living this really small sheltered life. And now the world seems so much bigger. And have I made the right choices? And um, yeah, so my, my sort of journey really began of, of seeing the world much bigger from my belief systems and values and all that once I got out, I got away from my very close family who, you know, my parents are very involved in my life, always, you know, encouraging me to make the decisions that they've made and always share their advice, you know, even though it's very often not asked for, you know, they just feel the need to share all the time what their thoughts and beliefs are. Isn't that what parents do? Like that's the, that's what they sign up for. Yes. That's and and always with great intention. So I don't, sure. um, yeah, I never get frustrated by it, but it definitely can influence the way that I see and the decisions that I make that once I was away from that and I got to really find myself, I realized I was living a life that they wanted me to have, not necessarily the life that I was choosing. Did you go away to school? No. So in Australia, I was, you know, lived at my parents' house. I like lived at home for so long. And I think that's what I love about the US is that you go to college and you find yourself because you're away from your family. Whereas, you know, for me, I was lived at home for a long time and was deeply influenced by my parents and especially ones that were extremely involved. Like even my grandmother still calls to give me advice on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are pluses and minuses to that. I could see how that is. But I think that is one of the great things about, you know, I, I hear, I see a lot of conversation online and being an entrepreneur myself, and as you are, and we'll get into that in a minute, but that is college necessary and is, uh, is going away to school, you know, worth the money. And sometimes I look at it as it's not about the money and it's not about what you're learning at school per se in your classes. It's that opportunity that you're talking about to discover who you are and to live independently and to explore. Yeah, for sure. I actually, I went on exchange um, when I was 19 to University of Miami and I've really got to see like, oh my gosh, this is, the Americans just know what they're doing. <laughs> and that was so much fun. Fun. Miami is a completely different country just in and of itself. So, <laughs> sure. Yeah, well, it was definitely a lot of fun, that's for sure. I was like, I cannot imagine doing this for four years, but boy, <laughs> was it a good time for six months. Uh, yeah, I bet. I bet. So, okay, so you're in New York and you are exploring who you are and you're thinking, wow, there's this whole world out there that I never knew existed. 
Yeah. And then someone told me you should come to Burning Man, which is a festival in the middle of the desert. Um, and it was like a eight hour drive from Los Angeles and I was living in New York. So it was a huge thing. And, you know, there's no cell reception. You bring absolutely everything you need with you. It's a festival of radical self-reliance and where everyone just comes there's no money it's just a bartering well not even bartering you're just giving that's the the essence of burning man to just give your gifts and um so i went there with no expectation of what this festival was i went you know and it that was like a huge shift in my life because i saw how an alternative universe could be one where you know we were truly living from our soul's purpose or just giving our soul's gifts so i was at the um, one of my gifts was I made like these little like fans that said, you know, happy, you know, happy Burning Man. And it was something that I'd created and that felt really great. And I also sung. So I would go into the middle of the desert and just start singing. And that was part of my contribution. And other people's contributions would be to set up a food stall. Someone else would be playing music. And this whole festival is created based on community coming together to share their gifts. And I remember just at one point I was like, why? why does our world exist and why do we have money and why isn't it all equal? And it made me question every single value that I'd ever grown up with when we could actually create something from scratch where everyone just came together in community to share their gifts and talents and how they love to be in the world and came with these massive open hearts and um, with such diverse cultures and talents. And yeah, it was that moment of just why is the universe or the world the way that it is? And it made me question everything. And I kind of came back and wanting to have this huge desire to build something like that um, in my life. And so, yeah, that took me to Byron Bay where, you know, it's, we live in, it's such an com incredible community here. And I've actually just um, moved into land in Mullumbimby and I've got people that are coming to live on the land and not pay rent, but they do gardening. And the other person does, um, is building something on the land. So we're really just redefining how money can be used or how energy can be used because, you know, we just live in such a limited th way of thinking about how we can um, exchange energy. Right, because everything is energy. We live in a yes. world that we have this illusion that there is there are things other than energy, but really everything yes. is made up of energy. Yes, yeah. Interesting. So back up for a second, because you were living in New York <laughs> and you went to yeah. Burning Man and now you're in Byron Bay. Yeah. Connect the dots, yeah. please. Connect the dots. So <laughs> I came back from Burning Man after like, yeah, I would say it was the most profound experience of my life. Just a huge shift made me question my entire life, how I was living, what values I was living by, who had chosen them, how had society been created, how did I want to live? So every single thing was questioned in that week of being at Burning Man. And I came back and uh, there was one point where I was in the desert um, kind of in this dust storm and my whole life flashed before my eyes and I just got just yeah it became this whole metaphor for my life about how I'm just like not really seeing beyond the construct like I couldn't see more than a meter above my face and um, I went straight to the temple which is um, a beautiful space in the at Burning Man and I just started writing writing myself a letter about how I want to be in this world what values I, I choose 
you know, outside the life that I've been living? What would my future life look like if I lived by these values? And I could see that I was totally on the wrong track in life. And so I came back from the burn. I called my husband and I was like, I've had this huge epiphany and I don't think we're supposed to be together. I don't see our life together. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to do all this, you know, start doing, living this separate life. And he was obviously extremely taken aback by it all and asked if he could come on this journey with me. And I was like, sure, if you're open to it, let's do it. And we tried for a bit and I think he very quickly realized that that wasn't, you know, he was very happy in the construct in which he lives and that wasn't the path that he was wanted to choose. And so we consciously sort of chose these separate ways and I've just continued to go down that more spiritual path of questioning everything in life and really making decisions from a place of my intuition and really not listening to my mind and the and and all the stories and beliefs I've been told my whole life. I now actually like truly tune in every day and be like what is true for me? today to be living and doing and I just live from that place and yeah and that has taken me to Mullumbimby you know I never planned out how my life would be I've just really followed the little breadcrumbs along the way and it's taken me to the most magical places that my mind could have never ever ever constructed very cool how do you do that tuning in yeah, so it's a big practice. <laughs> I spend about two two hours in the morning, um, but it always starts off with a little bit of movement. I'll do some qigong, I'll do some yoga, I'll do some dancing, and then I'll meditate for at least half an hour. I'll do some journaling, um, and then I pick affirmation cards. So I actually have my own deck um, that I've written, but um, I use all different kinds of cards just to ask my higher self, you know, what is in the greatest good for me to know today. And the wisdom I get from cards and how it allows me to journey deeper within myself is really profound. Interesting. Okay. So did you get some kind of training on how to do the meditations that you're doing or like, yeah, how did you get into the practice, this extensive practice that you're doing? Tell me more about how you learned to do that or where where the inspiration to do that came from. So it was actually at Burning Man. Um, I was someone who before then, like exercise, that's what I said. I, I run, that's my meditation. I'm a runner and that's when I get to be with my thoughts. And, and I had this huge um, uh, block against sitting down in meditation. Like for me, I was so hyperactive, moving a million miles an hour, working in a corporate job. Like I did not have time to sit for five minutes, no. Mm. And no, wait, I went, you just reminded me of there's that Buddha or that uh, the Buddhist phrase quote that if you don't have time to meditate for one hour a day, you should spend two hours. Yeah, I, I heard it was if you don't have time to sit for five minutes, sit for 10 minutes. Okay, similar, <laughs> Same, exactly, similar. go on. Um, and I was at... Um, Burning Man and I walked into this workshop and I see this guy who was actually a friend of mine in New York and I was like oh Nico and um and he, he was running this workshop and I was like cool and it was all about meditating and dancing and he's like if you're someone with a super hyperactive um mind and you're always doing things a million miles an hour like many New Yorkers you should uh, wake up and dance first and then meditate and so I tried this practice at Burning Man and it was the first time I experienced stillness in my mind. And I was like, I went up to him like, that was amazing. And I chatted to him. He's like, I'm a meditation teacher. You should learn with me. And we became really, really good friends. And um, 
then I, from that day forward, I then danced every morning. I would wake up and I would dance to the song, Open Your, uh, Open Your Eyes, which is a, a theme from Daybreaker, which is a dance movement company um, community in America, in the US. And that was when I went, so that guy that I met at Burning Man lived in New York. We went to Daybreaker together, which is that community. And we did this morning sunrise and that song just became this like song for my life. Every day I'd wake up and dance to this song. And then over time, I've built my practice to now be about two hours, but it started off with five minutes of dancing and five minutes of sitting and then expand, expand, expand it. Funnily enough, as nature would have it, when I came to Byron Bay, Nico, that guy from Burning Man, was in Australia for his sister's wedding and we bumped into each other on the beach being like, what are you doing in Australia in Byron Bay? And we ended up falling in love. And he was the one that we, we just bought a house, you know, we bought this house together in Mullumbimby and my whole life from the moment I met him to getting me into this place was all like, it was like this crazy sense of coincidence is that the universe wanted us to create all this stuff together which we have and yeah so it's just been a magical journey and now we've just split up which is really interesting too because it's now I'm ready for this second evolution of myself um, and so I'm feeling again that you know we talk about living this fine life like I'm not about fine I'm always like from good to great in like you know when it's let's let's keep evolving and growing and letting go of what no longer serves so we can continue to show up and and truly live out our destiny it sounds like you're getting really good at the letting go and letting things evolve mm, part of yeah. things which i think a lot of people struggle with because yeah. we we tend to want to hold on to what we know and because it's Familiar. Safe. I was going to say, yeah, safe. It's familiar. I was going to say it's comfortable, but a lot of times it's not comfortable. It's just familiar. Yes. And so it's, it's very difficult to let go and to allow what else, the next thing to come in. Mm. Cause yes. you have to let a lot, you know, a lot of times you have to let go of something before the new thing can come in, but we want yes. the new thing before we let go to make sure that yes. we're going to be okay. Yes. Too afraid to live in the mystery. Yes. Yeah. And then I also wanted to step back a second too, when you were talking about the, the movement before the meditation. And so, you know, I create these custom meditations, custom gratitude, customized gratitude meditations for clients. And I hear a lot of times when I'm talking about and teaching about meditation, I can't sit still. Mm -hmm. So I love that you shared this technique of kind of like getting all the energy out of your body and then sitting down. Yes. Yeah. It was profound for me until you've had the experience of stillness and then you can tap into that stillness more frequently. But for someone, especially for myself, who is so hyperactive, so stimulated from a very young age, I never knew how to sit still. So that just was never going to happen for me. Um, and now that now I can sit, you know, for hours, but it, it's taken a lot of time to, and I appreciate that stillness so much more in my life now because I can actually experience it fully. Whereas when you're sitting and your mind's just racing, it's so ungratifying. And yeah, it's uncomfortable and ungratifying. You, you come out of it more agitated than <laughs> yes, because you sure. were trying so hard to get to that place of stillness and it wasn't working. It's just like, yeah, now, blah. Yeah, I'm not good at it. I'm not good at it. I can't do it, you know? Right, so right, which is not the point of meditation. It's not to make yes. you more aggravated and agitated. That just is another point that meditation is a practice. 
It's mm. not like you sit down one day and you are a monk. Yeah. And can sit and meditate for hours with no thoughts at all going through your head. You know, again, it, it you've expanded your practice through practice. Yes. Yeah. And I still have days where my mind is deeply racing and I, yeah, sure. Okay. So continue the story of, so you and Nico created this whole amazing thing and then parted ways and yeah. what's next? Where are you going? Yeah, well, I'm back in the mystery again. I think I wanted to touch on the fact that you said I've gotten really good at this idea of letting go. And I, I want to just um, reiterate that this is a, it's a muscle that we need to learn to flex. I think the first time I did it when I was 16 and I took that risk of like, what I know is familiar. I've, been, I've always lived in a Jewish, I've always been in Jewish school, had Jewish values. I, that, piece, that piece of curiosity came up around, is there more for me here? Like I could always have this, but what if? And so I was obviously a very curious child and, and teenager, but because I flexed that muscle quite young and my parents were quite encouraging of me to do something that was a little bit different, I, I was able to flex that muscle. And there's still so much fear every time I do it, but I get better and better at it because I see that when we let go of what no longer serves, we're able to really experience the magic of life because the universe is always giving us these little breadcrumbs when, when we follow them, we don't get to see the loaf of bread yet. Like that comes and, you know, you get slices along the way, but often it's just little breadcrumbs and then more magic and more magic and I actually just went um, camping this weekend and it was so I'll, I'll try and make this story as short as possible but in essence I was really struggling with this breakup because he's the most beautiful perfect man our life is amazing we've been creating these incredible this incredible dance movement and we've got this corporate um, workshop business together things are flowing and it's been so amicable and perfect and for whatever reason he said to me I just not fully in this I don't know why I love you as my best friend I love you as my business partner but there's something in me and I could feel this like not a hundred percent commitment I would say I felt 99.9 percent .9%, but I know that little something and I was like what is it he's like I just don't know and having been on the other end of that, being with someone who I wasn't 100% in, I know that that doesn't serve him and therefore doesn't serve me and doesn't serve the highest good. Therefore, we let go and we see what's available in the nothingness. But in that being in the nothingness and letting go of something that I absolutely loved with all of my heart, I knew that the mystery was called, that, that the emptiness, there would be the magic. Anyway, I go and I'm, I'm camping and I was like, I just need to shift something. Let me see what is in the highest good. And I went for this huge walk in um, along the beach and I watched this eagle fly above, like this eagle was following me the entire way. And the eagle, you know, obviously represents one that can see things from a higher vantage point, one that isn't so caught up in the little stuff that it allows you to see the greater picture. And all this wisdom was coming in from our relationship and why we're not together. And I could just start to see things. And I'm watching this eagle as like wisdom and downloads are kind of coming into me. And I watch it like shit, right? And it, it like poos oh, and like shit comes out from it. And it turns into a rainbow because of the light. Oh, wow. And it was just like, what? And it became this huge metaphor for me in that moment of like, oh my gosh, from up close, it feels like you're in a shitstorm. Like, uh -huh. it, you know, 
but from a higher vantage point, it's really just making like letting go of what no longer serves and releasing. And that paves way for the magic of life to come through. And so I was like, oh, I've just been in the shitstorm. I'm just waiting <laughs> for the magic now. Right. And I just like, I, I felt this huge wave of peace and acceptance come over me of like, oh, I'm in and the magic is about to come. And so, yeah, I'm still, I'm still sort of seeing how the pieces are unfolding. But funnily enough, the next day I had, um, when I got back, a friend of mine wants to move in and her, and her best friend, um, partner, pseudo partner, he's a gardener and he's going to build this space. And, and, and anyway, this, my whole vision for how I want to live in terms of having community is now coming to fruition because Nico isn't there anymore. And so I'm just like, wow. Something greater is happening. And, and I always say, give up the good, you get the great in life. And so don't hold on to good. If good isn't, you know, a hundred full body, yes, a hundred percent, then it's a no. And so give up that, that thing to allow space for the new to come in. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's so beautiful. And so easy to say doing it is a different thing. However, yes. Like you said, I mean, all of the practices that you're talking about contribute to your being able to do that. And I'll say more easily, but I don't mean easy. It's not easy, but it is uh, allows you to be more accepting that the situations. I think another thing too is all about the frequency that we put out in life. Like as we, when we're in our heart and we're the frequency of love, we will have everything that the universe, that we desire. And so I don't like, to, I refuse to live in a frequency of fear or a frequency of like concern about the future because then I'm not, nothing's going to come to me. And I, I say refuse. I really choose not to. I find it challenging when I'm in those spaces of, what? This isn't how I, my life was supposed to unfold, you know, especially when I'm in this beautiful relationship where everything's working and then the rug just gets pulled from underneath me. But in that rug being pulled out and I'm in that state, all I can do is come back to my heart and just have that knowing that everything is working out for me. Um, and so all these practices help to bring me back to my heart. And I know that the second I'm not in my heart, that nothing's coming through. And so if I remember that and know that, of course, the universe wants me to have everything and, and I'm, I can only be me. And if that doesn't serve me, then, then that doesn't serve anyone or the highest good. And so when I can remember that in those moments and hold myself and give myself the love or validation that I was seeking in the, in other, I then can be the frequency of love and go out and, and receive in this world. Again, that's super easy to say and to understand as you're saying it. Yes, yes, that makes sense. That makes sense. But when you're in that actual moment of fear or misunderstanding, like why is this happening? I don't say necessarily putting yourself in the victim mode of why is this happening to me, but why is this happening what I, and, and feeling that fear what is the, is there a technique or something that you use immediately in that moment to flip the switch? Yes. Yeah. So I, when I'm feeling that fear, I'll ask myself, what is underneath this? Like what is here? And then I will choose. So allow myself the space to like, oh, wow, that's what my mind's telling me. 
wow, I maybe journal about it and just be with that information and then choose the higher. So let's say in relationship, I have choices that I choose every day, you know, call it manifesting, but it's, and I choose the end result of a loving, passionate, joyful relationship where we support each other in our greatness. And so I want that greatness for myself. I want that greatness for my partner. And if the greatness is us not being together, then there's someone who that greatness will be with. So I can feel like, oh, in this moment, it sucks. Like I'm really sad and feel that grief and then tune back into what does it feel like in my heart to be with someone to be in that kind of relationship and that takes me back to my center to my heart to my vision and then I can call that back in because we are operating from that place of the heart the emotion whatever emotion we're experiencing is what will attract into our lives or more of that and so I just have to flick that from fear to love from fear from from fear to fun and often for me, that's dancing through that too. So I might just put on music and shake out, ah, you know, breath, sound, movement, shake it out and allow my body also, not just my mind to have the space, but my body to like release that fear because it's there's energy that's stuck in the body and I'll move that. And then come back to my heart. And what's true is that I know that I'm worthy, deserving, and good enough of this incredible relationship that I want in my life. And so I'm going to have it if I stay in the frequency of love. Fabulous. Love it. So that is the perfect segue into what is the song that you listen to when you need to get into that higher vibration and higher frequency and charge yourself up. <laughs> so I often listen to the Daybreaker theme song, which is Open Your Eyes. And it's just all about, you know, the life we live. See every day as a gift. Open your eyes. Um, and I just love what that stands for. Um, and sometimes I'll even just sing my own song and start riffing on my own lyrics to pump myself up because I know what I need in those moments and what I need to hear. Um, and that's always a beautiful practice too. Awesome. Okay. So we're going to put a link to that song in the show notes. Wait, did you said you have your own song. Is there a yeah. recording of that? It's not up yet, but I will send it to you once we have it. Okay. So we'll put a link to both songs <laughs> and how can people get in touch with you if they want to continue a conversation? Yes. You can find me on Instagram. The moment I'm going by Coco Cruelis, but that may change back to Courtney Cruelis. I, I, Go between my two names. <laughs> okay. um, but yeah, on Instagram. And then I also have um, affirmation cards that I've written and they're at pickmeupcards.com. So they're punny, playful, uplifting empowerment cards um, to help make joy a daily practice. Fabulous. And they make a great gift as well for yourself yeah. or for your closest or not even closest, any friends. Yes, anyone who just needs a pick-me-up, send them their way. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me today on Fine is a Four-Letter Word. Thank you so much for having me. It was uh, so much fun to chat and always interesting to dissect the idea of, yeah, of fine. It's definitely when we weren't born to be on this earth to live a fine life, we learned to, you know, we were here to live something absolutely magnificent. Yes, definitely. All right. Take care. Thank you. <laughs> All the best, Laurie. Did I not tell you Courtney is a ball of energy? Okay, here are the key takeaways from this conversation. Number one, give the people in your life the freedom to break the mold and explore who they are. Love and support them and allow them the tools to find their own way and make their own right decisions, even when it hurts and you'd rather not. It's always in everyone's highest good to do that. 
and give yourself the freedom to make those choices as well. Number two, imagine what life could look like if you went through it with no expectation of what should be. If you could live in a world where you were truly living from your soul's purpose or just giving your soul's gift. Number three, not everyone's going to be up for coming on this whole life journey with you for the entire time. That's difficult to accept because it hurts to let go of relationships or beliefs that are fine. Nothing majorly wrong with them. They work okay. And at the same time, the only way you're going to get to the place where your soul is truly happy, where you are meant to be, the work you're here in this life to do, is by letting go of things that no longer serve you. Number four, I am especially excited for you to remember this one. Dance first, then meditate. If you have a hyperactive mind and it's always going a million miles an hour and you can't sit still, pick one of the songs any of my guests have shared as their hype song. Turn up the music and dance it out. Then sit down and see if that helps you quiet your mind and tap into your inner truth through meditation. Number five, the frequency you put out is what's going to come back to you. When you live in a frequency of fear or worry, that does not serve your highest good. Bring yourself back to your heart. Know and trust that everything is working out for you. And one practical way to do that is to stop and ask yourself, what's underneath this fear? What is really going on here? First, allow yourself the space to hear what your heart is telling you. And then, Courtney recommended dancing through this too, to move the stuck energy from your body. Courtney mentioned her pick-me-up cards. You can find those at pickmeupcards.com. With the holidays coming, they make a great gift. And when you place your order for standard pick-me-up cards, she will send you the updated deck with gold plating. Lastly, Courtney pulled one of those cards for me after we turned off the recording and it came up for kindness. So I am appropriately sharing a meditation on kindness as today's bonus episode meditation. Thanks for being here and subscribing to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. Please share this show with a friend. If you're feeling especially generous, leave a review so other women like you can discover the show too. It's on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and all the major podcast directories. And I'd love to hear what's happening in your world. Join me on social. On Instagram, it's zen underscore rabbit. You can find links to the other platforms at zenrabbit.com. Before you go, remember to take a moment to think about what you're grateful for today. And lastly, you can find this week's meditation queued up right after this episode. Or maybe it's just before, depending on where you're listening. Look for it. You'll find it because you always find exactly what you're looking for. Remember that. <laughs>